Welcome to the Young and Christian Podcast. I am Mackenzie Dorsonville. I'm a musician, photographer, growing apologist, growing evangelist, and long life student. Here's where I plan to be real, where I talk about Jesus, philosophy, mental health, relationships, race, culture, and honestly, whatever. Um, welcome back to episode three, y'all. Um, I kind of posed this question on IG and I got a lot of feedback, so I feel like this is going to be a jam-packed episode um uh but let's begin this segment is what i want to call apologetic conversations before i go into what this episode is about i want to address what apologetics is all about for those who might never have heard of the word apologetics it's the intellectual defense to the truth of the christian belief apologetics is a word that is often misunderstood um People kind of see it as apologizing for one's faith. Uh, The word, however, derives from its meaning, uh, the Greek apologia, meaning a reason defense. Apologia is where apologetics come from. In 1 Peter 3.15, 16, it says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. This verse is honestly like the John 3.16 verse to apologists. You know that's the verse that everybody knows. They got John 3.16 on Forever 21 bags, cups, and other places. But this verse in 1 Peter 3.15 and 16 is a staple verse for apologetics. Not only does it start off with addressing the heart, which is crucial, but it also talks about making defense for those who ask for a reason in which you believe. Some people forget the next part, but to do it with gentleness and respect. Apologetics isn't to just argue or to win debates, which it might seem like it, but it's to explain the conversation or give reason for what you believe in, why your hearts are still honoring Christ. While honoring Christ and creating a defense while being gentle and respectful, it opened doors to just focusing on the heart. That's such an important piece because if you say you're Christian and you believe that everyone was made in the image of God, How can you treat someone as if they weren't? Whether someone knows it or not, they were made in the image of God. Once we start treating people as if they weren't made in the image of God, then our defense becomes offense. So yeah, the episode, uh, specifically, I wanted to talk about um, a question that most Christians and non-Christians have, or might have probably even thought about when it comes to, can Christianity and science coexist? Growing up in school, this has been a question I've had in the back of my mind, personally. Um, It never really caused me to question the existence of God, but it's always been those things people sweep under the rug because no one wants to talk about it. Um, Everyone wants to learn and grow in some type of way. If there was one thing I could recommend to you is just to ask questions. How can you learn if you can't ask questions? What good would a teacher be if you can't ask questions? Asking questions and doing your research is key. Now, like I said in the beginning, I'm a long life student. I'm always looking to grow. I'm not a pastor by any means. I don't know everything, but I'll share what I do know because I believe that truth is important. If you're a Christian, get plugged into a church and ask those questions that you've been having. If you're not a Christian, I would still try to get plugged into a church to ask those questions. It took me long to figure this out, but the church is the people, not the four walls that we sit in. So ask questions. If you ask questions, you also have to prepare your heart to receive the answers even if it's something you don't want to hear. If you could say you're open to understanding and knowing the truth, you got to be able to receive it. 
Now the question was, can Christianity and science coexist? To understand things like these, we have to go to the origin. If you think on a spectrum, there's two sides of the extreme. There's people who just believe in God without science. You know, it's as if science is something to be feared. Um, anytime someone brings up any type of science, they throw it out immediately. Um, and the other side of spectrum is people who believe in science without God. This common belief is the belief that nothing created everything. I don't think that science should be something we Christians should fear because God created science. Science can't disprove God because God created it. Science is the study of the world around us and exploration of how God did it. If you think about it, science can't disprove God any more than studying the ingredients of a cake to disprove a cook. In school, we're taught that God has been removed and evolution and science have proved that God is not there, which couldn't be any more farther away from the truth. Hitler even said that if you can control textbooks, you can control a nation. It's been happening for years. So we're going to talk about three critical questions that science and Christianity seek to answer and how they aren't in contradiction. So on a lot of these questions, we're going to look about what Christianity say and what the science say and are they in contradiction. To begin, we're going to talk about the beginning, like how did things start? How did everything even begin? Where do we come from? Well, the universe had a beginning. Even by all scientists, it's a universal belief now that the universe had a beginning. The Big Bang was a theory that was proven in the 70s and 80s, um, and that was proposed by this priest by the name of Georges Lemaitre. Some people think the Big Bang is anti-Christian, but it was actually proposed by this priest who came up with this idea. The Big Bang is so significant because it tells us the universe had a beginning. Stephen Hawking, uh, to be honest, if y'all look up a picture, y'all know who this is who isn't a believer, said that the universe has not existed forever. Rather, the universe and time itself had a beginning in the Big Bang. Stephen Hawking, which is a Cambridge, Oxford, well-respected scientist, also said that many people do not like the idea that time has had a beginning, probably because it smacks of divine intervention. The discovery and proven theory was so huge because it proved that the universe was not eternal. There was a beginning which implies according to Hawkins that there must have been a beginner. There must have been something that created this explosion to create the world that we see around us. And when you look at atheists, when they try to explain the Big Bang without God behind it, it's just, it just, <laughs> it seems silly even. Richard Dawkins, which is one of the big time atheists, said that it must have been aliens from another universe that impregnated our universe with a seed which exploded into the world that we see around us today. Now, like I said, I don't know everything, but the fact that a man who is constantly putting down Christians and saying, you crazy faith people, the amount of faith it actually takes to believe that aliens who show no trace of existence impregnated our universe and created it seems like a huge reach and leap of faith. And now this isn't just any atheist, but this is the leading scientific atheist who says it doesn't have to be God, but it's the aliens. I'm unsure why he would even say that because it's like, who created the aliens? Aliens are inside the universe. God, of course, is somebody outside the universe who is uncreated, but the aliens are created inside the universe. And, all, and to be honest, all across the board, science has proved that there was a beginning. It's implied that there must have been a beginner. 
Another thing that science has discovered comes from a book by MIT professors of astrology and biophysics on the creation and the beginning of the world. It's called The First Three Minutes, if y'all want to check it out. What they discovered is that in the beginning, there was an explosion of light and energy. If you look into what Christianity says, it's not at all contradicting. In Genesis 1.1, it starts off by saying, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was all over the force was all over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and in verse 3 God says let there be light and there was light realistically follow me on this but God creates the heavens and earth and he says let there be light what do you expect would happen when God would create the world in a moment of course there would be a big bang a loud volume filled eruption science when it comes to the beginning lines us exactly that there was a beginning and not only that there was an explosion of light according to the MIT professors and the God of the Bible there is also order in the universe around us that was created a part of it that lines up well with Colossians 1 16 and 17 talking about Jesus and all him in him all things were created it just wasn't light and explosions it was that God and Jesus all things were created in heavens and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things hold together that's saying that jesus the living god is holding the universe together in a way that gives it order gravity doesn't just change today and tomorrow but it it's just being held by god together and gives us the law of nature around us there's groups of people that think you either believe in god or you believe in the big bang but the big bang was an explanation by a priest about how a big god created a big universe around us. It was never an atheistic belief. That belief was never introduced to Trump God because it doesn't. It just says the universe had a beginning and it points to him. No contradiction when it comes to the creation and a beginning on what the Bible says and what science says. What some of you might say is, no, the Big Bang has different theories about the earth, which is like 15 billion years old and the length of time that it was involved. That contradicts the six-day creation that we see in Genesis. But nah, not, not really. If you're on the outside looking to find what you believe, Christians don't all agree on whether or not the six-day creation is literal. Like, is he literally saying six actual days because God is outside of time? In 2 Peter 3, 8, it says, The Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So is he saying, on the first day I made this in a 24-hour actual day or was that speaking of a designated season or a time period a lot of Christians disagree on that not saying which end of the spectrum you have to land on but it doesn't contradict anything with the scientific evidence we see as it relates to the Big Bang it's not a problem with Christianity but it's a problem for a belief that doesn't involve God it's a problem because if you take God out what caused the Big Bang Everyone would probably say the same thing. Like, I don't, I don't know. That's like you hearing a firework or a gunshot outside and someone asking you, what was that? And your response would be like, I'm pretty sure nothing caused that. It was just a big bang. A lot of us would say, like, that just doesn't make sense. It takes a lot more faith to say nothing caused it. Just like in this scenario, it takes less faith to say, I think it was a gun caused that gunshot. It takes such a leap of faith to say nothing caused that gunshot. Somehow, 
it's an even bigger leap of faith to say nothing caused everything in the world around me than it is to say maybe there can be a God that caused that Big Bang. It's, it's, just a, it's just a reach saying nothing caused it. Our world is so intricate that every design points to a designer. I mean, we see it all around us. Things are so intricate and complex that if you change it in the slightest bit, and life will not exist on the planet. For example, if the Earth's rotation took any longer than 24 hours, temperature would be too extreme. And on the other end, if it was shorter, the wind velocity would be too great. Another example would be that Jupiter is the biggest planet out there, but like why? If you look into it, you'll see that if Jupiter was not on its current orbit, the Earth would be bombarded with space material like comets and meteors. It's like a cosmic vacuum cleaner to attract space materials away from the Earth. Another example is the Earth's mantle. If the thickness of the Earth's crust were greater, too much oxygen would be transformed to the crust to support human life. If it was any thinner, volcanic and tectonic activity would make life impossible. There's so much others to this list of how this world is incredibly well designed. If you take God out the picture, then who did that? Why is it that way? If you search out the evidence, that's what you'll discover. You might be saying, okay, maybe creation isn't lining up with what the Bible says and science, but now where did we all come from? We came from monkeys, right? And it was this pool of energy that evolved around us. Whether we learn that from school, books, or just word of mouth, just, just look, just, I suggest doing your own research. Even if you look at the evolution tree, some of the transitions of animals and humans doesn't necessarily make sense. Now stick with me, but if you look at information that comes from the leading paleontologists at Harvard University, this might give you something to think about. The leading science in paleontology, which is like the study of fossils, and those things are still saying that they're looking for those links. And the greatest hoax that has been created by con men is that evolution is a fact. I'm not talking about microevolution or the minor adaptation of species such as birds getting longer wings, but a bird somehow has some way becoming a dog somewhere along the tree. Even looking at minor adaptation, you could look at polar bears and how they're not the same color as they used to be. When a part of the world broke off and polar bears had to adapt to their surroundings to blend in with ice-covered surroundings, we see these things with many other animals and their surroundings on how they adapt. Um, this is still a problem that we still can't solve 150 years after Darwin. Despite all our advancements, going to the moon, creating iPhones, doing all these things, we're digging everywhere, and we still can't find these transitional fossils. Maybe they're just not there. This is the head of paleontology department at Harvard. Leading agnostic scientist of the paleontology department, he says the extreme rarity of transitional forms in the fossil record persists as a trade secret of paleontology. Basically, he knows we can't find them. He also says the evolutionary trees that adorn our textbooks have data only at the tips and nodes of their branches. The rest is inference however reasonable, not the evidence of fossils. Darwin ragered his entire theory on denial of this literal record. Basically thought it would be there and we would eventually find it. Um, but he also says, um, Darwin's argument still persists 
as the favored escape of most paleontologists from embarrassment of a record that shows little of evolution directly. Paleontologists have paid an exorbitant price for Darwin's argument. And this was the Harvard professor of paleontology named Stephen Joy Gould. Um, last name G-O-U-L-D in case y'all want to look into it. But basically, I know that's kind of a lot, but what is he saying? Um, the paleontologists and people believe this, but they don't believe it because we have this on record or we have this as fact or any evidence of this, but they just believe it by faith. This is what they realize. And when you look into evolution, the evolution tree with all the different animals, we only have the ends of those animals and some minor adaptations on things, but we don't have the fossils to allow us to trace further and further back. The idea of evolution at a macro level is just not proven. I don't mean to upset anybody, um, but according to the Harvard professor, Stephen J. Gould, this is a belief by faith. We're in a world that groups of people just don't want to believe that there is a God. And to be honest, they might even have more faith than you do by saying something came from nothing and it makes sense. In reality, it really doesn't. Harvard professors are saying that evidence just isn't there. The idea that this belief that we thought we would eventually find, we just don't seem to find. We just can't seem to find. Um, in fact, what scientists is discovering in life, in geology, and fossil record, is that there was this explosion of life. Some of you probably know this as the Cambrian explosion. And in this explosion, um, they would expect to see all these different life forms and fossils. When they dug up, we would expect under all these life forms and fossils that we would expect that underneath them, we would find these ancestors or these transitional fossils that we, look, we were looking for. Um, but they weren't underneath them. We couldn't find any fossils. Um, another theory that came out um, must have been that they just disintegrated. That's, must, that's probably what happened. Um, or they just never existed. The evidence we have today does nothing to contradict how me and you got here, regardless of what you heard. Just search it out. If you're skeptical, I advise you to. This is how Christians give us the explanation of how we got here. In Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, after our own likeness, which is the Trinity very early on. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps the earth. So God created man in his image, in the image of God, be created him. He created him male and female, and he created them. To go back a bit on what we were talking about with animals, the Bible aligns with this picture that we see with the fossil record in the creation of animals. Still in Genesis 1.24, he said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, according to their kinds, according to their kinds. Like these species that were placed in these groups and they were reproduced in those groups. And what God was saying is that he created humans distinctly different than any other thing that was part of creation. That human for the next 2,000 years that we're around will be the ones who rule over the fish of the sea and the land and everything else that we see in creation because they are distinctly made in my image unlike nothing else in the world like us. And that's very evident in what we see in the world around us. We're not competing with monkeys 
or any other species around us that man is unique among all creation, God says. Chimps could do a lot of crazy things, to be honest, like sign language and things like, like that. But you know what they can't do? Write poetry, play music, play sports. We could teach them to bang. But that's the extent to the closest next animal in the world that can catch up. Why? Because they weren't made in the image of God. They weren't given the ability to think and reason. They weren't even given created with a soul even. Um, that aligns with animals that are grouped in their kind, not in these transitional species. Um, I'm probably too old. Or do y'all remember the show Cat Dog? Uh, the cat dog that was formed into each other. That kind of thing, on the ev that kind of thing is on the evolution tree, but I've only seen it on TV. The fossils again are just not there. In school, we're fed so much about these things, and it's just not there. If you don't believe me, like I said, just do your research and search for truth, because I believe that truth is important. And if the feeling of being lied to by anyone is a feeling that we like to avoid, I think truth is something that we should pursue. Uh, once you do your research, you'll see. What the head of institutions, well-respected like Harvard, Yale, Cambridge, Oxford are saying, this is the best kept secret out there. They just don't exist. The actual evidence we have brings no conflict with what the Bible tells us. It doesn't tell us the full extent of everything, but it does say God breathed life into man and made them unique with a soul, the ability to rule, the ability to understand good and evil, which is morality. Romans 2 tells us God put in every heart a conscience that tells us what's right and what's wrong. There's no conflict with what we see and what we actually have today. There is a conflict with this agenda that is going out in our culture that is trying to silence the voices of anyone who would suggest intelligent design. Ben Stein, who is not a Christian, goes around interviewing men on this documentary. He goes around interviewing men and women who lost their jobs because they were saying, I'm not even saying intelligent design is correct. I'm just saying evidence points to something more than just evolution. These these are what they said, the people who have been let go from their jobs. You know, we could talk about agendas, but um, this specific agenda is taking place all over our country where that if you're a professor, you can't even get tenure in many major universities if you don't believe that evolution alone is king or that you believe in intelligent design or even just teach it. In University of California, a paleontologist was fired because his discovery of a triceratops, which is just like a, a, a dinosaur, had soft tissue. What he, what he suggested was that it can't be older than 4,000 years old. The fact that he would even suggest that thing, they fired him immediately because it didn't fit into their agenda. It's about this group that's trying to silence the idea that there might be more and present Christianity as a crutch, and it's not no crutch. It's a cure for the world that is dying more and needs it. It's the story, invitation, and explanation of the God who created all that we see, who became a man and died for us and came back to life, holds all life together and offers new life for anyone who accepts it. It's no crutch but a cure and is being silenced. The third point that Christianity and science attempt to answer is, is just what is our purpose. Science as a worldview says that there is no purpose. You don't have any. You don't have one. You might as well take a gun and end it all. There's nothing to live for. The human race can just try to keep on living, but there's no purpose around us. But it can't even begin to explain why 
there's this inner sense of something that that there's just more that everything happens for a reason in fact science can not only explain purpose but it can't even explain so many undeniable realities that we all seem to feel such as beauty you can't measure that in a test tube and explain this feeling over the horizon or over the Grand Canyon I'm from Philly so I know after a while things kind of get dry because we get used to it but I still admire skyscrapers downtown Ray Street Pier the bridge over the water that goes into Camden those things aren't measurable as to why we feel that way when it comes to science. I can't even explain the idea of love between two humans, not even emotions. I mean, how can men who weep, get sad, cry, all these different emotions come from an inanimate, inanimate organism who feels nothing? It can't even explain morality. The problem of good and evil is a much bigger problem for a world without God than a world with him. Because in a world without God, there's so much, there's no such thing as good and evil in a world without God. There's no absolute truth, but there's something inside me to think that homicide is wrong. Rape is wrong. Science can't explain why what Hitler was doing in Germany was wrong. It can only tell you what he did in Germany. Those emotions don't exist in the animal kingdom. Let's say if truth was subjective and everyone's version of truth was the absolute truth, you know, truth is whatever you want it to be. Then there would be no way to argue with someone that think rape is right. These are things that Christianity can answer when we talk about purpose. You're created to know God. In other words, to have knowledge of God. This is why it's important and science is not our threat, but our friend, because real science introduces us to a creator. According to the American Association for the Advancement, uh, my bad, uh, Advancement of Science in 2009, it says that 51% of scientists say that they believe in God or a higher power. Some of the most famous scientists in history were Christians. Francis Bacon, who established his scientific method, Isaac Newton, Michael Faraday, uh, James Maxwell, today some of the leading thinkers in the scientific world see that science strives them to God, not away from God. Astrology studies the stars of the God who hung them in place. Biology studies the God who breathed life into the creation. And when we look closer into it, we see the handprints of the divine everywhere we look. Geology studies the world around us and the formation of the earth that he created in an explosion in an instant. Science allows us to know the creator behind it. Our purpose is to know him. Christianity can also answer the questions of beauty because you and I were designed by a God who loves beauty, who is beauty, who created beauty. Uh, when, we even, when we're talking love, um, it answers the questions of the sense of love and why we feel that. Um, because we're made in the image of a loving God who perfectly displayed that love on a cross. And it answers the question of morality, of a God who put and wired into men who were created in his image. You cannot, if you were made in the image, escape the sense of right and wrong. Christianity is not afraid of the truth, but it offers the truth to a world that leans on a crutch of science that is pointing back to a creator. Do the research and seek out truth. Everything we point back to leads to intellectual design.
that's why we were made for purpose. Um, last thing is that I've recently learned about something called uh, laminin. Um, like I was, you're probably like, what is laminin? Laminin is the thing that holds all your cells together. Everything that you look down, everything that you're looking down, it, it just holds everything together. There's thousands of cells that we can't even count in your body. And they're all being held by this single thing called laminin. It's a thing that holds together, like I said, everything like skin, um, even all your insides. Um, it's laminin. This still might not make sense until you look at a picture. I'm glad we're doing a podcast because um, during this apologetic conversation, I advise you right now to just to look up a picture of laminin. L-A-M-I-N-I-N. I'll give you a couple of seconds. Just look it, look it up. L-A-M-I-N-I-N. This is the very molecule that holds you together right now. And all of your cells is a molecule in the same shape of the instrument that God, who came to earth, died for you and for me. That's inside you. And there's thousands of these by a symbol that billions of people on this world recognize. Now, if we're just being real and honest with ourselves, and there's any part of you that's like, I don't want to believe in God because if I do, maybe I'll have to stop doing this, maybe I'll have to stop doing that. But, or even just be accountable as someone. If there is any part of you, just be honest with yourself. You owe it to yourself. I really don't, and let's just say this is, this is you on a spectrum, but you're just saying, like, I really don't and I hope it's not true. You should kind of be concerned and think about that. Could it be that you're deceiving yourself and trying to justify why? Uh, for example, evolution is why I can't trust the Bible. Or could it just be that you just don't want to? Because you think that it might involve being accountable or changing or it's just easier to not. Sometimes we evade the truth because we don't want to know the truth. If you're listening and you embrace the worldview that says, I don't think it's true. We all come from nothing. There's no purpose. There's no reason why we're here. There isn't a God behind everything. There's no purpose in life. I die, worms eat me, and I move on. There's no such thing as any of this stuff that the Bible says. He didn't come into the world and God didn't show himself and die on the cross and give his life for humanity. I don't think any of that is true. All right. Let's say you're right. What's at stake? Nothing. You die, you get eaten by worms. You get nothing. You lose nothing. Let's say you're wrong. Let's say it's true. Let's say that there is a God who is there, who came into the world and made himself known in the person of Jesus. And he went to the cross to pay the punishment for your sin, my sin. Every sin out there so you wouldn't have to spend eternity apart from God. And he created you with a purpose. And he created this world with purpose around it. And he was the one behind the Big Bang. He was the designer behind every design that you see. And he offered to everyone who simply accepts what he did on the cross on their behalf. Dying in their place. taking that, Being that ultimate sacrifice. And rising from the grave. So that they could spend eternity with him and not be sent to eternity away from him in hell. Let's say you're wrong. 
What is that stake? You can't be too certain about this question. Evaluate the evidence and you have to be honest with yourself to go, there's part of me that doesn't want it to be true. If I'm going to be objective and look at evidence, acknowledge that. What is that? stake is bigger than anything you could ever imagine and more importantly just continue to ask could it be true for a lot of you the question is going to take a lot of boldness and courage and i would want and i want you to pray tonight or even in this moment to ask god could this be true if you're out there i want to know you i want to know you more than I wanna know answers. I wanna know you more than I wanna be right. I wanna know you. When you speak, form this, it's a relationship that you're forming, you know, and, and that's a God, that's a prayer that, you know, our God loves to answer. May there be peace and love and affection throughout all creation, oh God. You could be listening to any other podcast, listening to anything else, but you're right here with us. Thank you for choosing the Young Christian Podcast. See y'all soon.